Well, happy Easter, everyone. How are you doing today? So cool. Glad that you're here. Hey, just a quick favor if you're here in the house on the, on the bottom floor. Just to look, look behind you. I love seeing a mob of, like, little kids trying to find their way forward. Isn't that cool? That's really neat to be able to celebrate all these little lives that God has blessed moms and dads with. And sometimes those blessings are more of a challenge than a blessing. I get it. But it's a blessing nonetheless. We're so glad that you're here. My name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors. This season, this Easter season, is the game-changing season of all seasons, in my opinion. There's a reason why. We're going to get into that a little bit moment, more uh, moving forward. But the, the idea of game-changing was playing around in my heart and mind this week. And I, it brought to memory this moment of time throughout my athletic career that I thought I'd share with you. I happened to be a grade 9 student, and out in Western Canada, that was still considered middle school or junior high school, and I was on the, the local basketball team. And we happened to be in a, a regular season game versus our crosstown rivals, C.J. Houston. C.J. Houston versus Yorkdale Junior High School. Epic battles, a variety of, of ways and sports and things like that, and more often than not... Yorkdale, which is the school that I went to, happened to be on the opposite end of the victory, meaning we would lose all of the time. We were in grade nine. As I said, I was a part of the starting lineup. Myself, my two friends named Sean. One was spelled S-E-A-N, the other S-H-A-U-N. Don't ever get them mixed up. Same name and pronunciation, different spellings. My buddy Stephen my buddy Matthew and myself, we were the starting five. We were all seniors at that time, been playing together for a while. We were in the middle of this game, and we were not being blown out by C.J. Houston. We were actually in it. We were making baskets. We weren't turning the ball over. We were doing all the good things that we needed to do, and we started to creep and inch our way towards victory. And as that thought started to play in our hearts and minds, sure enough, we started to make more mistakes. And so in the midst of one of those streaks where we were giving up the ball a little bit more than we had been previously during the game, our coach, Miss Tamlin, called a timeout. And she got us in a circle, and she looked at each one of us, and she said, I believe in you. You can do this. And then she looked at me and said, and you, assistant captain, go lead them to victory. We went back out on the court, and we did what we needed to do, and we won the game. Now, it's significant because later on, after that win, we discovered that it was the first time in 35 years that our junior high school beat C.J. Houston in basketball. And it's such a significant story that there are a total of four people that remember it to this day. Now, here's the thing about game-changing moments. They are something that you and I crave more often than we would care to admit. If you think about our vocation, maybe we're looking and craving for that game-changing moment. If we, if we just make a slight adjustment, it's going to go better for us in the future, give me more opportunities to rise the ranks, get promotions, be able to provide for my family, etc., etc. Maybe the game-changing moment we're craving is the person that we've been hoping will spend the rest of their lives with us will actually say yes to us when we finally pop the question. Maybe our game-changing moment is something health-related. We've been waiting for a miracle, 
We've been hoping and praying that the next set of test results will show us something different. See, the truth is, you and I walk through life, we wander through it, craving a game-changing moment, a life-giving moment all of the time. And the truth about the Easter story is that it happens to be the most prominent game-changing moment of all time. To answer the why, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into Scripture together. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Luke in the New Testament portion of the Bible, the 24th chapter. We're going to be looking at the first 12 verses of this text. If you do not have a Bible and you would like a Bible, please come see me or one of our staff or volunteer team after our service today. We would gift you a Bible so that you could read it, you can make it your own, and you can learn about game-changing moments that happen all throughout the entirety of Scripture and what it means for you on a personal level. Starting in verse 1 of the 24th chapter of Luke. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember that what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to them, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. This is the description of the game-changing moment that is Easter. The moment in time where everything changed. The moment in time that actually literally split history in two. And it's interesting to me because it's a moment in time that's created a ton of different layers of confusion and chaos in our world even today, a couple thousand years later. Now, three days previous to this moment, they witnessed, these same people in this story would have witnessed this, this king this person that claimed to be God die a horrible, excruciatingly painful, shame-filled death on a cross. And in that moment, I guarantee that they would have been feeling a sense of defeat, maybe even betrayal, definitely fear. What are we going to do now when the, the person that we believed in is no longer here? How are we going to find our way forward in the midst of all of this uncertainty and unknown? See, the truth about Easter is that it provides not only for us a game-changing moment, but provides us a deeply 
revolutionary truth that we sometimes neglect. And the truth is this, Jesus can bring dead things back to life. Jesus was not the only person that claimed to be God who walked this earth. Countless figures in history have done the very same thing. What sets Jesus apart from all of these other individuals is he actually backed it up. He backed it up by doing everything that he said that he would do, by dying this painful, excruciating death and coming back to life three days later. And then declaring to all the people that interact with him after his resurrection that there is life still to be lived here on earth today. And following him is an invitation to enjoy life to the full and life to the abundant right now, not just later. Now the cool thing about Easter is it speaks to what I think is the fundamental fear that you and I have. And that fear is death. Maybe we're not afraid to die physically, but maybe we're afraid to die relationally. Maybe we lay awake at night hoping and praying that the circle of friends that we surrounded us with, ourselves with, will not abandon us in our moment of need. Maybe we're hoping and praying that that marriage relationship that we began two decades ago isn't going to come to a crashing halt despite the challenges that we face. Maybe we're hoping and praying that the game-changing moment we thought we were investing in in terms of cryptocurrency isn't actually going to bankrupt us. Maybe we're hoping and praying that the vocation that we've chosen is actually going to provide for our family and not lead us into financial ruin. See, you and I, we fear death, whether we care to admit it or not. On some level, level subconsciously, we're afraid. And that's why it's so important for us who are familiar with the story of Easter and those who the story of Easter may be brand new to be reminded that it is a story of dead things coming to life. Because that can make all the difference. You can put something in the hands of Jesus that was once dead and destitute and decimated and he can breathe life into it. He can breathe life into it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the phrase, I never thought that person would fill in the blank. The hope and the truth of Easter is dead things coming back to life. Now, for some of us, that's good from a philosophical point of view. We're like, oh, man, I can get there intellectually. I can get there even emotionally. I can get there cognitively. I understand what you're saying. And for some of us, we're, we're skeptic. We're like, I don't know. I don't know if it actually makes a difference. And it's not until we walk through our own experience and we see it unfold right before us that we understand that it's true. I want to share a little bit of a story that we've been walking through as a family over the last several months to illustrate what this can mean for you in your own life. 
beginning of February, I remember getting a phone call from my mom and dad, letting me know that they were on their way to the hospital. My dad was having a little bit of a difficulty breathing, and so they wanted to get things checked out. I said, okay, that's cool. He works at a hospital. It should be a short commute. Several hours later, um, he was admitted with what they thought was some sort of pneumonia, and we were going to monitor him for a few days. As those days kept unfolding, the prognosis kept plummeting. The challenge seemed very abundant and very apparent. After about half a dozen COVID tests, he still didn't have COVID, but he was going downhill. We were left with a single option about 10 days later, and that was to intubate my father and hope and pray that a miracle would take place. See, they knew there was an infection, but they didn't understand what was causing it, what the root cause is. And if you're into medical science at all, when you're dealing with infection, unless you know what kind of bacteria is causing an infection and what kind of, uh, you know, epicenter thing is, is at the point of, of uh, concern and uh, the point of causing all of this pain, unless you know that moment, it's very difficult to treat. The best thing that you could do is, is try and buy yourself more time to figure out the problem. It's a problem. It's a puzzle that needs to be solved. And we got to the point where we had no other options but to intubate. I've got a series of photos I'm going to be showing you here over the next few moments, and I apologize if any of these are traumatizing to you, but I want you to know and see the depth of what I mean when dead things come back to life. This is a photo of a, a chat, a video chat that I was having with my sister and my dad who was lying on a table, unable to hear or talk or move. And we were praying with him and for him and singing songs of worship and trusting. At this point in time, we were told as a family essentially that it would be a, a miracle if he would recover. So prior to this moment, I remember having what I thought could have been the last conversation with my dad. One in which I told him I was proud to be his son. One in which I told him that I loved him and I want to see him when he wakes up. For about nine, ten days, this was the state of my dad. Every single day, my sister would video chat me from Calgary when she was visiting, and we would pray, and we'd speak hope and life into my dad. And some of you were aware of this story, and you were partners in that journey, praying for him. I remember my friend Darren, who was the best man at my wedding, he sent me a message. He said, Jason, is there anything that I can do for your mom? Is there anything that I can do for your dad? And I simply said this, my dad's in the hands of Jesus, and it's going to take a miracle to wake him. About 10 days later, my dad showed signs of starting to wake up. This was one of the first photos that he sent me when his eyes were finally awake. along with the caption, my beard is better than yours. 
To which I replied, okay, salt and pepper. <laughs> and we continued to pray. And slowly and surely, things started to change. Now, here's the crazy thing. His medical team does not know how he got better. They have a theory, but they do not know. Because they never discovered the source of the infection or the source, the bacteria that caused all of his challenges. What they know is that he had two forms of pneumonia simultaneously necrotizing his lung tissue, which means literally decapitating the cells and removing them from existence. And somehow, in some way, he started to respond. He went from waking up to then sitting up with assistance. And you'll see a photo of that in just a moment as well. He went from sitting up to asking for one of his favorite snacks. And you'll see that photo. <laughs> McDonald's french fries. Apparently they cure everything. And from not, able, not being able to move or walk or do things on his own to being able to eat and then get himself dressed in the morning Here's a photo of that. To finally being released from hospital, being sent home. And I remember that conversation. That was weird. I was like, what? I haven't even seen you yet, and you're being sent home. He's like, yep, I'm good enough to go. So I bought him a walker. Here's what he's got at home now. So he could whip around and do his thing. And the miracle of this all is not the strength of my dad. It's not the strength of our family. It's not the prayers that we offered. The miracle is Jesus. Because if you look at that first photo and you look at this sixth photo, it's the epitome of what it means for dead things to come back to life. And the reality is that that is a representation of you and me. There's the physical part of our bodies that exist, but there's also the spiritual part of our bodies that exist. And as challenging as it is to suffer physically, it's more devastating when we suffer spiritually. See, the cool thing is, if, if, if Jesus didn't decide to wake my dad up on this side of eternity, he would have woken up with Jesus in heaven. And, I, and he would have waited for me there. And he would have remembered to say hello when I got there too. Far too often in our lives, we blaze past potential game-changing seasons and game-changing moments because we haven't yet figured out what it is that we want or what it is that we need. And the message of hope of this season of Easter is that everything you hope for, desire, want, and need is found in one single source. The person of Jesus Christ. 
And it's because of Jesus that you can experience life to the full right here, right now, in this moment and the moments to come in your own lives. All the dead things, the dead parts of you will be woken up in and through Jesus if you just receive the gift of love that he offers so readily and so freely. We'd be remiss if we blazed past this season without talking about the truth of who Jesus is. Somebody who loves you so desperately that he gave up everything just for you. Someone who looks at you and says, if only you were here, I would still do the very same thing. Somebody who looks at you and says, I have life to the full waiting to offer you. If you just trust in who I am, knowing that you're not always going to know or be able to figure out all the moving parts that are associated with life here today, but you'll never be alone and you will never be unwanted when you trust and follow him. Now, maybe that's a familiar message to you. Maybe it's something that you heard when you were a child. Maybe it's something that you've heard regularly throughout your life. Or maybe that is something that is brand new to you. So what we want to do is want to give you an opportunity to respond to that truth, that message of hope, in a couple of different ways. Maybe you came with friends and family, and, and maybe you need to have a conversation with them about what this means. Maybe it's going to spill over into a, a lunchtime conversation. But for some of us, maybe this is the moment that we've been waiting for. A moment of clarity, a moment of hopefulness, a game-changing experience that could alter the trajectory of our lives for the better. And for those of us who identify with that space, I want to give you an opportunity to work it out. What that's going to look like is have an opportunity to pray with or for someone about your own relational connection or lack of relational connection with Jesus. So in a few moments, what you're going to have happen in this space and, and online, it's going to look a little bit different. We're going to have three different prayer environments spaces. We're going to have three individuals that occupy this space who are willing to pray with you and for you about anything, but in particular about your walk with Jesus. Whether it's something you want to kickstart or, or renew or something that you want to begin for the first time. And you'll know who these individuals are because they're going to be wearing a blue lanyard here in person. For those online, Rosie is monitoring our chats right now on Facebook and YouTube. You too can participate and chat with her about anything that is bubbling up in your heart and in your mind when it comes to Jesus. In this space, like I said, we're going to have a handful of individuals. We have Desiree up on the balcony by the doors. If that's somebody that you want to go and pray with and pray for regarding your relational connection with Jesus, your lack of it, or even just something in your life, something that's dead, that you need new life to be infused into. 
We have Krista, who's going to be in the back behind the sound booth. We've got Mike, who's going to be up here to my right-hand side in just a few moments. And during this next song of worship and music, you are invited to respond in whatever way you would deem appropriate. Maybe it is to come and pray. Maybe it is to worship. Maybe it is to write a list of questions or thoughts or even concerns that you have in a letter to Jesus going like, hey, I'm not even sure you exist and here's why. We want to invite you to respond and participate as you feel is appropriate to do so. My encouragement is this. Don't miss a potential game-changing moment because it's too awkward or too new or too confusing. Embrace the moment and discover what possibilities might arise out of your obedience and willingness. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm ever so grateful that we have the privilege to worship a risen king. And Jesus, I know that there's so many confusing things when in life in general, let alone things when we talk about our own spiritual health and well-being, questions that bubble up, previous hurts and pains that resurface. And Jesus, I'm thankful that through all of those things, we can claim the truth that is you and your ability to bring new life out of what is dead. And so in these next few moments, Jesus, I just ask and pray that you would fan into flame whatever you want to fan into flame. And instead of resisting what you are inviting us into, you'd give us the courage to embrace it. That means movement of some kind, praying with somebody, being honest with ourselves or somebody else about where we're at. Jesus, would you give us the ability to do so? Father, these are holy moments that we are entering into. So would you saturate this experience in your presence? It is because of Jesus we have hope and we can even ask things like this. May you speak, for we are willing to listen. We pray this in Jesus' name.